Hi everyone, uh, Youth here with another solo cold open. Just wanted to say that this week's episode, like last week's episode, you know, had a bit of a problem with electronic interference, and so uh, doesn't sound that great. Uh, I, at points, it's still fun. You can still hear it. I think you'll enjoy it. Um, but yeah, just wanted to say sorry uh, up front, I guess. Also wanted to mention, uh, I have another podcast. Um, I know, I've been cheating. But, uh, you know, we never said we were official. You'll get over it. You'll be back. Please come back. Uh, it's called The Witching Hours. Uh, it's a live audio drama podcast anthology. Like, imagine if... Uh, the Twilight Zone was rebooted in the modern day. I had the idea for this podcast uh, before The Twilight Zone was, in fact, rebooted in the modern day. It's an anthology of uh, audio drama um, performed live and then sent out to you guys on the internet. It's, it's fun, it's silly, it's weird. Check it out at thewitchinghours.com. Oh, also, I, you know, we're, we're well into a, a stretch of the podcast, you know, after we've kind of found our feet, found our vibe, that I think the... Um, you know, I think the podcast is good now, so why not tell your friends about it? Uh, share the love. Be great to have more people on board the great uh, ship SS, SS, shite and sound, so SSSS. So get, please bring more friends onto the good ship. Enjoy the podcast. So Finn, I want to square with you. I have a problem. What? What's What's that? Like, obviously, I've got a pretty sweet life. Yep. I'm a urban liberal, and I hang out on sun-drenched days with my friend and, and watch films. Yep. Well, I'm finding it's getting a bit boring around here. Really? I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, to, sorry to hear that. Yeah, and I just, I just, I find it cloying. I feel like there's a better place, um, like uh, Paris. Yeah. And so I, I was thinking about running, not running away, What's the politically acceptable way of saying I want to commit a crime spree and discover myself on the way? I, th- I think if you're worried about what's the acceptable way to say you want to commit a, pro- a crime spree, you're not fully ready to commit a crime spree. I'm not, I feel like a lot of people commit crime sprees without worrying about such things, though. So I was thinking I could either be 13 and travel through the South, um, hang out with Gossip Girl. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Newt's commander, and do do cocaine occasionally. Oh, thanks, Ryan. Um, <laughs> or I could uh, be <laughs> Senegalese, and I could go on a kind of trippy avant-garde uh, journey, kind of uh, through colonialism and post-colonialism. Oh, which of those two do you think I should do? Well, I I think it's sort of up to you to figure out whether it would be easier for you to be 13 again or to become Senegalese. <laughs> Do you mean I, I, Either way, I think you're going to have an issue. But I, my, I feel like you could... Obviously, I'm not going to attempt to be Senegalese. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm, I'm glad to hear it. I think with a couple of weeks' preparation, I could convince a stranger that I'm a 13-year-old with a thyroid problem. <laughs> I feel like I have that look about me. I feel like I'm a bit of a jack in that way. Okay, but between those two scenarios, um, it was, it, I was interested. I was exploring my options. Yeah. Should I Queen and Slim? Should I Bonnie and Clyde? Um, and like there are obvious issues on both of those fronts. Some, um, you know, I'm a I'm a white man 
and also uh, on the end, hiding ends up with you being dead. I dismissed Thelma yes. and Louising for the same reason. Yeah, uh, and of course, also uh, Great Escaping or uh, Magnificent Sevening, <laughs> or specifically Wash and Serenity. For a while, I was like, I want to be Alan Tudyk in space, but not a robot. I want to be Alan Tudyk. Well, but he, he's he's also in space in uh, in Star Wars. Uh, oh, sorry, Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Uh, Playing, playing the role of K2SO. That's right. Where, the robot. Yeah, where he works with his best friends, um, one of whom is Ruth Bader Ginsburg, right? <laughs> so, but as I was researching my options for running away, I happened across, you'll never guess, because this mm-hmm. is Straight and Sound, it's a film podcast. It certainly I is. I found two films that really illustrated to me what that would be like. Really? Yeah. That, so that's my idea for an intro this week. <laughs> 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 um... What? <laughs> but your intro. Hello and welcome to Shite and Sound, the podcast where two comedians watch one of the masterpieces of world cinema and then follow it up with a critically reviled film that is similar in some way. Maybe they share themes, plot, actors, or director. We want to see if counterpointing these two films can bring out some new information or insights. On this episode, we're watching number 98, Jibal Diop Mambeti's Tuki Buki, a dizzying portrait of crime and poverty in post-colonial Senegal. Our second film this week is Derek Martini's Hick, a film that I refuse to believe exists. <laughs> a heck of the bad films we've watched, not counting Baby Jane, which is a good film. Yes. The bad films we've watched, heck is the one that is the most like a real film. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's certainly, it's the most competent Well, in, it, in some respects. It's, it's, like if you if it if the sound was off and you were wa- if you were watching someone else watch it on a plane yeah so you can't hear it you can just see it yeah you'd be um, like oh, it's a real movie yeah well, I might watch that someday and you'd be like like that looks emotional that that looks interesting yeah the the cinematographer's done a great job the editing is you you, you can't see how weird everyone's southern accents are <laughs> oh they're so well, as a genuine southerner, I found that a good representation in this film of accents like my real southern accent. Well, howdy, partner. My name's Eddie Redmayne, <laughs> and I'm here to tie you up in a cabin. Which one did you want to go through? I I don't think I can handle talking about Hick for too much longer. So Tookie Bookie. From 1973. So this is one of the, like, maybe this is like the, the first film to kind of like make it big out, out of out of Senegal. Uh, uh, directed by Jibril Diop Mambeti, who is the godfather of Senegalese cinema. The, the, this is sort of his, his like, this is very much influenced by this, like, French New Wave films. Yeah. It takes a lot from Godard. It, it's, it's a sort of Bonnie and Clyde tale with with the sort of French New Wave influences set in the sort of very poorest parts of Dakar, the, uh, the capital city of Senegal. It's very much Senegalese breathless. Um, and uh, yeah, again, we hit the wall. It's it's a good film. Yeah. So it, uh, I think sound. Yeah. It, it, it's a film that opens with... Uh, uh, Opens with a long, like, cattle drive sequence. Yeah, and you're like, those are nice cows. Yeah. I've really uh, related to I hope nothing cows. bad happens to these cows. Yeah. And then... I named them. Yep. What would you name your favorite one? I named my favorite one Silent Bob, and my second favorite one Jay. <laughs> my third favorite one I named Brody. My fourth I named Holden. My right. fifth I named Dante, obviously. My sixth I named... Oh, what is the video store clerk in Clerks? Oh, no. How's um, that gone? Randall. 
I named Randall. Right, yes, Randall. My seventh favorite. I named. Well, which which one do you name? Blunt Man and Chronic. Um, Blunt Man and Chronic was one cow. Yeah. Because there's one cow that that you look at and you go like, that's, that's a Blunt Man and Chronic. Yeah, that cow is definitely illustrated by Mike Allred. You know. Yep. And you, there were a couple of cows over in the corner. You're like, oh, that's that's definitely a Zach and a Murray. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, in America, um. I named that cow Zack and Mary make a porno, but in a lot of places it was just called Zack and Mary. So I love these cows. Yeah. I hope nothing bad's going to happen to them. Uh, oh, no. Uh, then after like several minutes of just looking at cows, we, we see them being led into a slaughterhouse where they are like dragged, pulled to the ground with ropes, and we see their necks being cut, and they're just dudes walking around in pools of... of of cattle blood. Yeah, and this, this, this feels like documentary footage. It's presented like documentary yeah. footage. It feels a lot like the scene in Wake and Fright where they're just shooting kangaroos for about five minutes. Yeah, that's right. I, I feel like it's an interesting quandary because if that's not a real slaughterhouse, this film is suddenly terrible. <laughs> this film is suddenly um, a film which murdered, ooh, a lot of animals. Yeah. Because this is one of, by my count, four times that we get extended because there's twice with cows yep. and twice with goats i think there might be the same goat twice though oh yeah but it, we still see it yes twice. no yes we, we do um which is just these protracted long shots which is not to say that the shot is far away the shot's up close it's a close but the length the temporal length welcome to the yep. 101 my name's Ether Dean. <laughs> yeah just because we both like this film a lot but if you don't uh, if you don't want to see animals being murdered which you probably don't maybe, maybe give this one a miss I think, or have the fast forward button ready i think of all the films i've seen and liked this is the film i like the most that i would recommend to the least people yeah that's um, fair and that's all on the animal killing content you know imagine if you liked cannibal holocaust <laughs> rather than just seeing it as a curio <laughs> okay finn's looking sad he's closing his notebook Look, which has, I, I, oh no there's a heart for cannibal holocaust. I no i think is i i think that turtle was asking for it <laughs> Well, if there's one thing I know about turtles, it's that they're often simmering with repressed racial hatred. <laughs> there's one thing I know about turtles is that probably didn't have that long left, since it's not like it was going to live another hundred years anyway. Yeah, yeah. another film you shouldn't watch, and not just because of the animal killing. But to be clear, Tukibuki, if you, it is, it's just really confronting, and the knowledge that this is, if if they faked this, it is the most convincing throat slitting <laughs> i have ever seen but yeah that i guess kind of tr trigger warning oh and there's also some nudity so if you don't like like seeing some butts maybe don't there, there is also a scene which which intercuts a woman taking her clothes off with a goat getting its with getting its neck slit oh, yeah the most staunchly erotic sequence <laughs> in all of cinema and that was when i was like i'm so glad that my specific fetish <laughs> topless woman and dead goats <laughs> are finally together on film. Normally I have to edit them myself. <laughs> so, uh, that, can I, I have a question for yep. you about that joke I just did. Is it is that joke okay, or am I shaming people who want to see murder and sex? Because I think we should shame those people. Yeah, no, I, I have no problem with yeah. shaming those people. Anyway, um... So after after the, this uh, after the, the protracted uh, murder scene, we then get a pr pretty pretty pleasant shot of a the young boy just sitting on the back of a non murdered cow, just sort of going along, ha yeah. having a grand on time. And then this, this shot sort of like uh, crossfades uh, from the perspective of the boy into uh, him like 
about a decade later, uh, he's now riding a uh, a sick motorbike with a cow skull attached to the front of it. Yeah, which is, like, aesthetically, I'm so into it. It's so cool. Yeah. As potentially problematic it is for me to say this, but, like, a key thing I love about this film is just, like, it's real cool, all of it. Every yeah. time someone, like, there's a lot of dressing up later where people, like, there's a lavender suit later that will just kill you. It's amazing. Um, But, like, aesthetically, that's great. But what he's doing by putting that cow skull, the bu- a bull skull with two massive horns yep. on top of his motorcycle is guaranteeing death <laughs> in the slightest of car accidents. Yeah, and that, that's, that's what makes him cool, is he does not care if he gets stabbed through the face with his own bull skull motorbike. It, like, it just feels like cool is a th- it's a commodity, right? But is it worth the price of potentially being Timothy Dalton- in, in hot <laughs> in fuzz hot it, it's just not in my opinion but anyway we meet this guy he's cool this is all the opening nine or ten minutes or so is uh a interesting kind of non-narrative it introduces us to the slums if you will of Dakar. yeah it, it's mostly just all like uh it's, it's lots of uh lo- lots of like establishing shots of of di- of, of different parts of the city uh, you know, you see, you see, like you see this like motorway. You see, yeah, like the you see the slums. You see, uh, you see people like with stalls selling yeah. tomatoes oh, and chilies and chilies. And they have, uh, they have like, and there's this amazing sense of even though this is at many points a non-narrative film that whenever you meet someone, uh, like he has such a deft hand at sketching characters. So this woman who's selling tomatoes, like another woman comes up. And they kind of gossip a bit. And then a young woman comes by and they're like, look at you, look at you and your stupid shoes. You'll never get to university in shoes like that. And it's just uh, like you meet and you know this world. And it's re- it's nice. Like my first thought was like, it was nice to see a world like this. Or that. So apart from our own, it's treated with like dignity. Like it's, yeah. it's not, they're not pretending this is to be, this is great. Um, because you know there are piles of rubbish and everyone is poor and it's it's horrible, but like they're not sub people yeah. for being there. Yeah. So uh, so um, at this point we've met our, our two main characters. We have Maury, the the, road, the motorbike riding cool guy, and uh, and we have uh, uh, and we have Anta, who is a, a young university student. Yeah. And, With dumb shoes. Well, I think it's. Wasn't it the pants you were talking about? Oh, it like, was pants. Yeah, so yeah. You, 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 you'll never get anywhere in those pants. But like, like for, from a modern perspective, pretty good pants. They were, yeah, again, good pants. I, you could do, you could take just the fashions of this film, yeah, and put them in another film, and it would be the fashion film of the year. It would be a single man, you know? Yeah, no, it's like, yeah, like so something something that, that like Mambetti does like really well is like he he is able to make stuff look cool which probably shouldn't be able to look cool yeah and like that, that that is like he i think he does that better than a lot of the french new wave guys who like that's what they're doing a lot of the time as well well in it because it feels a lot like that what we're seeing is them being cool despite the circumstances like this yeah. film does a very good job of never acting like poverty is the fun thing um so it's a lot of like when they finally get access to resources, they'll be wearing, like, the lead guy, who's not Maury? Maury. Yeah, Maury. Yeah. Like, wears a lot of, like, suit jackets with nothing underneath. 
And yeah, it's just it's 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 an good it's a good I'm revealing too much about myself, but it's a, it's a good look. Yeah. Um, but it's it's that is in the face of his circumstances rather than like because of them. Yeah. So after the scene where where she gets sheltered at by by, by these two women and go, goes to university, like just outside of university, there are a bunch there are a bunch of like young communists who yeah. like as as soon as she walks in, start sort of like catcalling her, talking about how like all, all the women at university are really interested, very really interested in sex and don't care about the revolution. Yeah. Which it's... where's the life? <laughs> I just wish more people in this uh, year of our Lord twenty twenty were interested in revolution. <laughs> Um, <laughs> we'll just leave that there. We'll just we'll give it a moment of silence for that ironic statement. Satire is dead, right? It's Trump's fault. Yeah, no, satire satire isn't funny anymore, which is annoying. Yeah, no the the president of the United States tweeting that if they put out more COVID tests, more people, more cases will be found. So they're going to do two less tests to get lower numbers. Is like that's not an onion article. No, that's an onion article that the onion rejects for being too obvious. Or like I mean, just today when he decided, you know, what, I will start wearing a mask because it makes me look like the Lone Ranger. Ah, uh, yes, of course, unproblematic figure, <laughs> the Lone Army Hammer. Oh, imagine himself. how bummed Army Hammer is now. It's like, it's like he. I really want Army Hammer to Daniel Radcliffe, <laughs> the Lone Ranger. Being like, no, the Lone Ranger stands for justice and friendship. And yeah, if Johnny the Lone, Depp and if the Lone Ranger means something to you, then that's what's important about the Lone Ranger. <laughs> I know that millions of children all over the world grew up loving the Lone Ranger. Yeah. And the story of the Lone Ranger is one of acceptance and love. And Johnny Depp is a Native American. With a crow on his head. Oh, mate. Why? That was like, that's within living memory. Like, yep. tweens will remember that film. Yeah, that, that was when everyone was like, oh, okay, no. <laughs> I, I, I think we're done with, I think we're done with old Johnson. Oh, John, Johnson Depson. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so she's being harassed by these communists. Yeah. Now, yeah. I, I think we should make it clear, um, but both you and I are staunchly anti-communist. <laughs> we, 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 we both testified in front of the House Un-American Activities Committee. We are... Yeah. My middle name is McCarthy. Yep. Uh, if every single episode for the rest of this podcast is just going to be us talking about Ilya Kazan movies and just and how at, and how great they are, looking at how the Crucible is this this harrowing tale of justice being subverted. <laughs> That's where we are politically. Two incredibly right wing. <laughs> we're pundits. I'd call. Yeah. Us. No. We're, we're we're actually scheduled to be on Tucker Carlson in about forty minutes. Yeah. So we've got to wrap this up. Yeah. And that's the helicopter you can hear. That's Tucker coming to get us to hear on our, our theories about how actually bullets are good for black people. It's like, the I, only I, medicine they can use. The thing is, like, if you're growing up poor, you have, you know, like, certain vitamin deficiencies. And is one vitamin <laughs> gun. Well, lead. It's no, a lead's okay. a vitamin. Yeah, my favourite vitamin, lead. Um, so, and then... <laughs> Being harassed by communists. Uh, yeah. So uh, uh, then, then, uh, uh, then her boyfriend uh, Maury shows up to, to uh, on his cool motorbike to see her. Yeah. And the, the communists uh, kind of look look down on Maury. If, if everyone in the town kind of thinks Maury's a uh, bit of a ne'er do well. Yeah, a wastrel. Right? Yeah. Like he's, he's yeah. Yeah. You know, if if this movie was in America, he'd be a surfer. 
Oh, mate, would he? Yeah. yeah. He'd, he'd be surfing with a cow skull on the front of a surfboard. I think if this was the 90s, he would be played by Brick and Meyer, and he would skateboard <laughs> into his first shot, you know? You know, we don't really see enough of Brick and Meyer anymore. He had a sitcom for a while. Um, yeah, well, it was like... I hope that bought him a house. Is that the one where he... Is he a lawyer? Is that the show he was on? <laughs> I have to I have to admit to you, we are at the limits of my knowledge about I'm, Brick and I'm Meyer. pretty sure Kamel Nongioni was also on this show that oh. Brick and Meyer was on. Oh. Fra- Franklin and Bash. That yeah. affect your career. Yeah. Was he Franklin and or Bash? I, I think he... Um, I, I believe Brick and Meyer was uh, Franklin. Yeah. What is... <laughs> if we were to come up, what does Brecken as a verb describe? Breakfast? Um, yeah, no, that's what yeah. I was going to say okay, as well. Yeah. Maybe yeah. like a um, between breakfast and brunch meal is brecken. Well, no, I think it's just it, when you're eating breakfast like really fast. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, I don't have time to like you know cook up a full English breakfast. I'm just I'm just brecken this morning. And yeah, and then there's of course the times when you're also being electrocuted and dancing. <laughs> so you are brecken to electric boogaloo. <laughs> That's the sequel to Brecken Meyer. But yeah, no, he's a he's a cool dude. But there's like there's a sense of like he's cool, he's aloof, he's distant. But people don't hate him. He's just a bit of a a, tr- it, a troublemaker. Yeah, they're just like hey, get get a get a job. Stop! Stop riding around on your motorbike all the time. And so he 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 comes to, he comes to see Anta, and the, the communists are all just just hang out outside for some reason. And they've they've got a cool like truck that's painted red. Yeah. And uh, they they basically tell him to fuck off, and he uh, doesn't want to because he wants to he wants to see his girlfriend. And so they lasso him with a rope, then like beat the shit out of him, and then tie him to the back of their uh, truck and just like parade him through the streets for yeah, a while it's kind of like a slightly twisted version of remember when mad max is the blood bag on yeah. the front of the car it's yeah that if you're on the back of the car yeah it, it's that except they have no use for him they're just trying to humiliate him yeah. uh and then, then... I, to be clear i want to make a statement i think that that bit in fury road is a direct reference and we'll yeah. put it past george miller well babe pig in the city is full of tukey and Buki references <laughs> sorry Tukey Buki. Tukey Buki. I always, whenever I start saying Tukey, I'm... You think of Tuka and Birdie? Yeah, yeah. Tuka and Birdie, an incredible show. Um, if you've got time to listen to this podcast, you've got time to watch Tuka and Birdie. Uh, so pause the podcast now. Welcome back. How good is that? <laughs> Isn't it great it's getting a second series? They're birds, right? Crazy. Um, yeah, and well, some people are plants as well. I've never seen it. It's good. Oh, it's... A, it's Yeah, no. <laughs> it's real good. It expresses things about a friendship dynamic. And like what it is to be a person, and there's some really good, uh, well thought through and executed like exploration of uh, sexual assault on it, which mm. is not a theme that will continue through this podcast as we get to Hick, which is kind of the opposite in Tuka and Birdie in a lot of ways. Oh no, Eddie Redmayne could be a bird if you found out that Eddie Redmayne was like half bird, yeah, yeah, or was like the high evolutionary turned a bird into a man. You wouldn't have to convince me. Tom Hooper ran to the high evolutionary and was like, "Quick, I need a Danish girl." <laughs> and the high evolutionary was like, "Why not cast a trans woman?" And Tom Hooper was like, "No, <laughs> a what? <laughs> Why would I do that? Uh, I'm not going to cast real cats as cats." <laughs> Uh, um, no, did you know Judy Dench, half cat, she's moggy on her mum's side. <laughs> and Ian McKellen is actually full cat. Actually, well, he's technically a liger. His dad was oh, a lion. His mum was a tiger. Was a tiger. Um, well, is, 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 is that a liger or a tigon? It's a tukibuki. Tukibuki. We're back. And we're bad. So, the communists, the evil communists. Oh, we are still at the yeah, university, yeah. Jesus. 
But it's, it's okay, there's no plot in the rest of the movie, so it'd be <laughs> very quick true. to go through. You're about to have sex. Yeah, so... That's um, plot, so the, me. Yeah, so... Uh, so, uh, uh, so the, the coming to Jacob Moore, and, uh, uh, and, uh, uh, and Anta is, is looking for him, and uh, uh, and she meets at this point the probably probably the best character in in the movie uh, a woman whose name uh, i do not know i believe she's uh, she's like aunt something yeah and uh, she uh, has goat horns attached to her head of course uh, she's wielding a knife she's got oh, you but, uh, the first thing we see her do is to cut a goat's throat and then uh, we cut to her skinning the goat yeah. and when anta comes up to her and like asks where Mori is, she starts maniacally laughing and says that the communists threw him off a cliff, yeah. and then just starts like waving the knife around and like laughing, and it's it's, it's real good. And she laughs for a full minute. She laughs for so like much longer than you'd think yeah. she would laugh for. <laughs> Can you believe it? I think it's possibly still going on. That's why we're talking now. (laughs) While the laughter is still going on, Anta runs down. To uh, to the seaside, trying like find uh, to try and find Maury, and eventually she finds him, and he's on a cliff with his motorbike. Not entirely sure how how he got with his motorbike. Stunts um, implied a lot of implied stunts in this film. Yeah, and uh, then she takes off clothes. They have sex on, on his on his motorbike. And it's framed entirely by her grabbing a bit of the motorbike. It's yeah. all close up on her hand. And then there's lots of like shots of waves crashing on the beach. Yeah. That's how you know. It's like the train going into the tunnel, yep. or the rocket taking off, or the, ooh, what's a better metaphor for sex? I don't know, just a dog humping someone's leg, but then that yep. leg is... Totally it's, metaphorical. It's a false leg, <laughs> and then the dog humps the stump. No, and, this is gone. <laughs> and the, 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 dog, the dog is actually a cat in disguise. <laughs> And, um, <laughs> yeah, and I like how the, my... the, 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 the false leg is actually a meerkat spy. I like how in my that's, br- a, that's a metaphor for sex, right? I like how in my brain, as the person who started the metaphor, I was like, oh yeah, it's a dog, then it humps the stump, and then you're like, the dog is cat. And I was like, no. <laughs> in this insane metaphor, I have decided the parameters. But anyway, yeah, so they do, they have, and this is um, an idyllic moment for them. We yep. get a, a, like, every shot in this film is beautiful. Like, as much as people say it, I believe it is true, but, like, every shot of this film you could frame as a photograph yep. like um and there's a shot of them kind of uh resting post coitally um with the sea behind them which yep. is an image the film returns to several yep. times it's, it's just 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 our, our three best friends aren't a maury and the motorbike <laughs> like yeah. it's it's sort of implied that the motorbike is part it's like a threesome with the motorbike well i would say like obviously dakar is the fourth the third character the motorbike is the fourth and of course the fifth is a caveman who shows up later in the movie (laughs) (laughs) that sounds without like okay if you can't if you can't watch tukibuki because of the animal murders i suggest you fast forward through so you can understand just how much of a wild caveman 
like is not an exaggerated description of this game yeah no th- this this movie makes some very weird decisions and i am super happy that it did oh mate there are hundred k in i mean i would not i do not have that kind of money but no um if i read the script i'd be like yeah i'll give you the 40 dollars i've got sitting around so as as they're like sort of like lying out on this on this cliff after after having sex, they start talking about their dreams to to escape Senegal yeah. and and move, move to move to France, mm-hmm. and they they talk about like buying passage on a boat the next day, but they, they don't have the money to do that. And Maury has like lots of debt uh, yeah. that he's accumulated probably from buying that sweet bike. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he and as much as we pimp the bike, the film pimps the bike. Like the film wants you to love the bike. We know he loves the bike. Yeah. It's not we're all having fun here with our absurdism but it's important um and you know they want to go to paris Paris, and because like the uh senegal became independent of france in uh, 1960 yeah, you said? Uh, about about a decade before yeah. this film came out but that is still that hangs over it there's still a sense of both an embrace and rejection of french culture yeah within the film at least and like every time for, for, for the rest of the film every time they talk about like france wanting to go there there's a, a song which just starts up there's someone's like party party <laughs> yeah. party and they just think about how great paris is well they just they they keep talking about how they want to see notre dame um and i just don't i hate to break it to them <laughs> you know um they want to see the hunchback specifically so there's two things i have to disappoint them about one is that in most versions of the story the hunchback dies and also like we shouldn't call him a hunchback and also he's kind of the villain is he in, in like the book oh, okay the hero in the book the hero is notre dame the book is essentially a pion to what's his name victor hugo victor hugo's um love of architecture okay um listen interesting you're learning not amusing you're learning but also um in the original book is a gargoyle voiced by jason alexander like that's from the text <laughs> well, yeah. it, it's 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 so it's so prescient of, of victor hugo to like to know that like jason alexander was was gonna be like such a big star in a couple hundred years well you know, he victor hugo predicted seinfeld well there's a very clear i don't think he predicted seinfeld i think he predicted that people born on the 23rd of september um are stars they're brilliant yeah. Like, just to pick some names, Jason Alexander. Jason Alexander. Arnie DeFranco. Arnie DeFranco. Uh, All big stars. Euther Dean. You know, people born on that day. Bruce Springsteen. Four of the best. Four, four of the biggest names in culture. This is the 23rd of September. Let's talk about it. Five days before Hilary Duff's birthday. Incredible. The day Freud died. The day Bob Fosse died. 23rd of September. Like, it's not crazy to think the victor hugo could have been like oh we oui, we oui, eureka the 23rd of september is <laughs> an arrondissement of a day which contains but the greatest artists it's a good it's just what i'm saying yeah. i'm just saying it's not impossible so <laughs> they're hanging out on the beach they have decided they want to move to they want to move to Paris because yeah. there's more opportunities there. Oh, yeah, and uh, the th- the point I wanted to make about them going to Paris is like it's a very interesting balancing act this film does, which is like clearly the film kind of endorses their love to leave, 
they're like that they kind of want to get away the film is pro that but the film is also questioning their choice of paris right yeah like it's like yeah they should go but should they go there and that's it does it so quickly and so deftly that you don't realize how smart a thing it's a good film in conclusion so they, they, they know that like if they're gonna leave they have to make money and they don't actually have a way to uh, uh to make money legally so they um at first they're just sort of walking walking through town and they uh, um, they they stumble upon a uh, they stumble upon a man playing three card monty yeah. the 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 classic scam game yeah. where you know there's a bunch of cards down and you have to you have to follow the cards you bet on it and more he acts like he's going to make a really big bet of of one thousand francs when the when the dealer like takes out a thousand francs of his own prove that he's got the money more he just takes and runs yeah and now that, that's the first of several crimes that will be committed in the movie. Yeah, and it's uh, then they like each with sort of like less um, like care given to it with by the movie than when they they steal the money. There's like there's sort of the scene like people people chasing them, and then there's a confrontation with a police officer. But then the like next crime, it just sort of like the, the film just like skips over the entirety of the actual committing of the crime. Yeah, because they like steal a luggage right uh yeah so they they, they go to uh they, they go to a wrestling match they, oh fuck i forgot yeah. the wrestling match the sweet ass wrestling yeah match. and they steal like a trunk that is filled with uh, uh that they believe is filled with all, all the money from ticket sales yeah uh and you, you you see them like talking about stealing it like which, which trunk to steal and then it just cuts to the trunk on the back of a taxi as they yeah. drive off at a delightfully jaunty angle um but inside that trunk is a, a skull. human human skull uh, not entirely sure why. Yeah, I think... maybe that's the guy who lost the last round. Oh no! <laughs> um, and then they—it's—it's it's on their way. Is it just after while he's driving in the tank? No, we, the caveman, um, Norm of the North. Yeah, so I think while while <laughs> <laughs> is he a caveman? No, he's a he's a polar bear. <laughs> okay. I, 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 <laughs> no. So you're telling me that polar bears are not? I I think you you're thinking of uh, you're thinking of the uh, classic uh, Disney documentary Nanook of the North about an Inuit. No, I'm thinking of Stick of the Dump. I don't know what that is. Uh, it's a beloved children's book or a middle reader book um that has been adapted several times about a caveman you'll never guess where he lives guess he lives in a dump oh. yeah I got okay it. so he, he's, he's he's a real like rick at ralph he's <laughs> a real rick at oh yeah yeah lives in a big pile of bricks oh yeah true oh rick at ralph another movie with alan tudyk in it oh and everyone's favorite mario i've not seen a film which i'm not like do you know what this could do with a favorite plumber Luigi. That's why Super Smash Bros. the movie is your favorite film. Oh man, I, there's nothing I love more than the words Super Smash and Brothers. Because I love brothers. Yeah. I love things that are super. For instance, Super or Man. Um, <laughs> soup or Man. Uh, and Smash. I love to smash. And so when I first sat down to watch Super Smash Brothers, I was like, I am down for some hot, brothy incest. <laughs> <laughs> and um, what I discovered was slightly different. Really? And it was mainly uh, different, my friends from different video games, uh, in which... Uh, and if, if, if everyone, everyone's best friend, Jonathan Leguizamo? Yeah, of course. Jonathan Leguizamo? Yeah, he, he, he plays Luigi, doesn't he? 
John Lee oh, Bazzano. Right, yes, and the yes, I was like, <laughs> Super Smash Brothers. He played. <laughs> I would not put it past Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, a game which has something like seventy playable characters, to just have John Lee Bazzano. <laughs> so at this point, Maury remembers that he has a rich friend who they refer to first as the fat guy, yeah. and he later says that his name is Charlie the Mother Hen. Yeah, uh, and they, they, they go they go to Charlie's house where he is sitting in a pool uh, with a uh, uh, with like a pedal boat sort of thing. And he, he tells the person who's in the pedal boat with him to uh, to get off so Maury can get in, and the guy just sort of stands up and like just jumps off the boat into the pool. It's wonderful. It is like they've entered The Prisoner, the TV show, <laughs> yeah. is what it, this, uh, this sequence is like. It's incredible. Yeah, and so then they're just like sitting down on this pedal boat, pedaling around a pool that is not big enough really to have a pedal boat in it. Yeah. And they're just sort of having a conversation that we can't hear. And they, they, they get off the boat and Charlie just like kind of drags Maury into the house yeah. and says like, oh, you know, I'll, I'll pay for your tickets or whatever. It's all good. And then goes to have a shower because uh, he is covered in salt. Charlie yeah. is showering. And just like keeps like talking to Maury from the other room, like, "Hey, get him a shower. I'll scrub your back. Water, water's pretty warm." And I, I, oh, it's not pretty warm. It's just the right I, temperature. So I, 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 I don't know if we're supposed to read, like, I don't know if we're supposed to like read Charlie as as gay, or if maybe just people like scrubbing each other's backs in Senegal. I think he is being coded as a predatory gay man. Okay. Um. Yeah. That that was at least my read, and which is not good no uh because many of the predators i know are not gay men no, usually straight men yeah or you know aliens like mm. in the film alien vs predator to requiem nah no nah, i'm using enough keep going so yeah well, i was just trying to think like of, of all the men that have sexually harassed me i think it's about 50 50 gay and straight <laughs> oh no <laughs> laughing at that is incriminating <laughs> i yeah i yeah so tuki buki <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so um, uh, so while while Charlie is in the shower, um, Maury decides to go through his closet and just steal uh, a bunch of his clothes, mm-hmm. and and like this, this takes a while. He's just like just like op- opening and closing doors and like getting getting like suitcases down, and then eventually he's walking Trying out on his clothes yeah. to make sure they fit. And as like eventually he walks out with like I think like two suitcases and two duffel bags just full of, full of Charlie's stuff. And it really for a moment looks like the bit in like a hotel farce yeah. where the concierge has too many bags. And so he he goes outside he calls Anta over and then they they uh, they, they like run over to uh, to to Charlie's car which is like painted uh, with like the American flag mm-hmm. and they they tell uh, they, they tell Charlie's chauffeur Charlie, uh, you know, uh, says you have to take us wherever we want. We want to go, and uh, so Maury gets in the back of the car and normal uh, car, right? Normal paint job, normal paint job, American flag. Yeah, normal American flag paint job. Yeah. and uh, uh, and Anta get, gets on uh, gets on Maury's motorbike, and they all they all drive off. And then while they're driving off on the motorbike, uh, we start to hear some strange noises, uh, sort of like bird screeching, oh, and then. Uh, then a human imitating bird screeching, and then we cut to a tree and see a man with like he looks like a stereotypical caveman. He is wearing like pelts, yeah. and he has like kind of like giant frizzy hair, but not like an afro, like what, like like what a drawing of a caveman has. And if I were to describe this man, I'd say like imagine you're in a Disney film and you've just frightened Oscar Isaac. And and he he's in he's he's just in a tree screaming at birds 
and somehow like scares Anta off the motorbike. Yeah. And she 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 falls off the motorbike and she runs away while he chases her and then he like goes back over to the motorbike and he's like my motorbike now. <laughs> yeah. And, it is it, it is like someone from another film is yeah. dropped in. Yeah. No. It, it like it it, it feels it feels like an invasion. It, yeah. It like, doesn't feel real. Yeah. And but but it's okay. Just forget about him. He's never coming back. So like all good characters <laughs> appear in one scene and then. But it's like, he could be an alien being, or this could yeah. be the beginning of a sequence of reveals, like, they're not really in Senegal, they're in the Senegal zone of an alien planet that observes different phases of human life. Better movie, if they did this. <laughs> no, no. Different movie, it's already a good film. And so, while uh, while they are like driving along in the car, uh, Maury uh, takes off his clothes and stands up on the back of the car and starts... Talk about what a great wrestler he is and how he can kill people with his ass. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's a fun scene. Yeah, no, it's good. It's I would call it the most iconic moment of the film. <laughs> it's like if I wanted to explain the film, I would show this. Yeah, then like while they're while they're driving along on like an empty sort of like desert road, yeah. um, we start having like intercut like shots of uh, of like people in uh, the city like watching a parade. Yeah, and then eventually uh, they these two sort of things like sort of merge. And now, now like Anta and Maury are dressed up in the clothes they stole from Charlie, and they are like being like they are like having a parade thrown in their honor. Yeah. And this is the key point: like they've had their makeover, and now they this is where they hit real fashion. Everything they yeah. wear from now on is incredible. Yeah, they 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 look fantastic. They've both got like sunglasses on. They've got yeah. hats, smoking cigarettes. Yeah. Alta is sm- smoking cigarettes. Uh, he, uh, she, she's a, got like a cigarette holder. Yeah, yeah, like uh, uh, Lady Penelope. Yeah, and and Maury is just smoking a big old cigar. Oh, so yeah, it's just makes me want to smoke again. <laughs> and they they they, um, uh, they they arrive like back in like their their village. And uh, I, I guess they're, they're, they're like telling everyone they're like they're, they're, they're being to France and they're successful now, yeah. and they're all rich and cool. And everyone who was like shitty to them earlier now comes out just like, yeah, we love you, and they start singing songs about how great they all are. Doing sweeter is dancing. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like kind of weirdly similar to to, uh, to, to the scenes like Ali Ferris for Soul, whereas where there is that like time dash. Yeah, I mean everyone starts being nice to them again. Yeah. But there is, it, it, it's interesting the game it plays because it's ambiguous as to, there, there is enough of like an elision of time and a, a, a removal of time in there that you're left wondering until later if they actually, do we just skip them going to parents because we skipped them stealing the stuff. Yeah, right? like it, it is, uh, I think mean like the, 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 this movie is like not interested at all in like, in like telling a linear story in a way that's easy to no, understand like that, that that's not what it's about and if 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 you really need that from a movie you will be frustrated by this movie but we got but like even as we were watching it and not quite knowing what was going on at points there's always enough of a propulsion there's enough of movement to it and direction mm. and conflict that you can kind of understand where you sit with the film yeah so it's always in, engrossing if not followable yeah and so at this point, like Charlie, um, like realizes that a bunch of his stuff's been stolen. He calls the police, yeah. and the police inspector he ends up talking to is a police inspector called Jubal Diop Mambetti. So the director just named a police officer after himself for no reason. Yeah. And, uh, it's and, kind of fun. And so that's the point that makes clear that they, in fact, they didn't go to Paris. They just pretended. Yeah. 
and uh, and and Charlie like like let, let's let's police officers know they're driving around in my dope ass car. They've got all my clothes. They're probably going to try and escape the country. And uh, then we we see Anta go, going into a travel agency, and uh, uh, she books a uh, book to Paris with the two of them. And as she's leaving the travel agency, the the uh, the, the woman who's like sold her tickets, uh, like sort of like seems to seems to like recognize Anta and mm-hmm. says to her, don't, 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 "Don't I know you from somewhere?" And Anta just like turns back and looks at her and says, oh, "Probably from New York." Yeah. It was a very cool moment. I was I was paying. Yeah, uh, yeah so he's not in the room. He didn't get to, he didn't get to see that. So but. I don't have anything particularly entertaining to say about it. Um. <laughs> and so Ben's just all like they 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 go they go to the boat. They're they're like get, getting ready to leave. Uh, then. For some reason, I, I, I it's probably because the, the the police are after them. Um, Mor- Maury decides that he's going to so like make make a run for him. Like I, I guess like leave the police away. But again, the, the film isn't super interested in telling you exactly what's going on here and why why he's running. Like you, you never see the police like chasing him or anything. But he 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 runs off, and while he's running, who comes back? But uh, our number one dude, the caveman, yeah. and he is he is now on the motorbike. Just hooning through the streets of Dakar. Yeah, it's dope. I fucking love it. Um, and there, there is like five minutes probably yeah. of just shots of Maury running, and then shots of the caveman uh, just going around on on, on a motorbike. And then uh, every so often it goes back to uh, it goes back to Anta on on the boat, and like now that she's you know on this like rich person boat, we we, we see like white people for the first time in the movie, and there are just all these fucking like like. Like rich white French people, these sort of like like vestigial limbs of colonialism, who are just like talking about how like you know the the the, the people the people of Senegal are, you know too lazy and they they, they don't work hard enough. They're, yeah. they're, they're uncivilized. Um, well, there's and, and, and like and like Anta finally gets to see like what the people who live in the place she's been fantasizing about actually think of her. Yeah, uh, and she doesn't like it. Nope, uh, because it's. It's bad. It's a real bummer. Then, uh, after like five minutes of the of the like running and motorbike scenes, uh, we I guess hear a crash, and uh, and and Maury comes across um, uh, comes across the caveman who has crashed the motorbike, yeah. and is uh, apparently losing a lot of blood. And there is an ambulance there, yeah. and uh, he he like he goes over, and he he doesn't give a shit about a caveman. Yeah. Why why would he? Why would he? he He's he, not in the same film. No, you know? he he goes over and he sees. His motorbike on the ground, and he sees the bull skull is being cracked in half. Yeah, he's heartbroken, and he walks through Dakar, kind of cradling it. Yeah, he just know. sits down on some steps, sadly, and it is yeah, and you feel the sadness as, yeah. as we describe it. It sounds uh, callous, <laughs> if anything, because a poor, you know, the last bl- link to, <laughs> to Homo erectus is, is dying. <laughs> And so he's just holding on to this, you know, get your priorities right. Yeah. And then as the film ends, the, 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 the boat leaves mm-hmm. and Anta is on it and Maury is not. Yeah. And we cut back to Maury is a young boy riding the cow. Yeah. And um, yeah. And the movie's over. And it's it's good. It's good. Yeah. If you can, if you can handle gruesome animal murder, uh, watch it. And if you can't, Read the Wikipedia summary. Uh, no, just Google image search. Yeah, maybe go go on YouTube, search Tukey Bookie caveman scenes. 
Cave, or, caveman supercut. Or Tukibuki brackets Walmart version. <laughs> Tukibuki, no murder, please. Yeah. So I've got bad news for you, people uh, who don't like seeing animals killed. Uh, uh, asking Jeeves is not going to help. <laughs> no. no. You, you're going to have to see the animals murdered. Um, you don't like. No one has to do anything. Okay, we've got to breathe. We should pay tax. And those are the two things we should do. Like, eat food. Be nice to people. Um, read a book. Dance like no one's watching. <laughs> Floss like you're going to the dentist. So, Yuva. Yeah. If you, had to, if you had to rate this movie either shite or sound, which one would you rate it? I would vote it sound, unless we find out that those animals weren't later eaten, because then it is like, shite. I, that... that, that... I'm I'm sure there there must be an actual slaughterhouse. Oh, I I feel like we would in our and like, loose yeah. googling and like you 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 see them you see them skinning that goat. There's no yeah. way they're not eating the goat. I I, I think I think it was justifiable animal murder for for human consumption. Yeah, oh, I, I'm just I, saying. I just, yeah, just we just like, have to see it as much. It's like seeing Long Day's Journey in tonight in the film festival. Like it's a great film, the single take, it's wonderful. Yeah, but, but that, that scene where a guy eats an entire apple, you're just like, oh. A poor apple. It's great, but it is also like heavily endorsed by the Chinese government. Oh, so right, it's a real like, I like this film. I, I forgot the actually problematic thing about that movie. <laughs> no, you're watching that film and you're like, I like this film. I hope it wasn't made by slaves, you know? Yep. Um, anyway, I think it was sound. Finn Nicholas, I've just invented a scale to like to rate film. Looking at Tuki and Buki. No. No, Tuki Buki. Tuki Buki, I'm very sorry yep. to both Tuka and Tuki. Um, open brackets, 1973, close brackets. Would you call it shite or sound? So, just, just, just like, sort of like a, a gut reaction, like, this is the first time I'm hearing these categories. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, 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 I would say it's sound. Uh-huh, it's good. a good movie. Yeah, like yeah, a lot. Yeah. Could you, just for instance, hypothetically, we know I'm on this journey. Yeah. I'm running away from home. We've heard about a, a sound film that uh, that's about that. Could you, for instance, just off the top of your head, out of the clear blue sky, think of a film that's on similar themes but is, in fact, ungood? You know, I, I think I have the perfect film for you. Okay, go. Uh, I can't think of a joke answer, so I'll see the real answer. Uh, it's called Hick. Oh, Hick. We watched that today. From 2011, directed by fake name Derek Martini. <laughs> this is Derek with a CK, by the way. Yeah, Derek Martini, a man who was forced to come up with a pseudonym while in a bar. <laughs> or an oil Derek, maybe. Uh, this is a movie, uh, sort of. It, it, star- <laughs> it stars uh, stars Chloe Grace Moretz. Hit girl herself. Hit, hit girl. Um, the the, the um uh, she's probably most famous these days for being poorly educated. <laughs> uh, I would I would call her uh, uh, dead in Susperia <laughs> or Greta, yeah. of course. Um, is she Greta and Greta, or is Greta Isabel Isabel Hubbard's character? Uh, Isabel Hubert is Greta yeah. and Greta. But when it's like Doctor Who, you know, when I call when I say Chloe Grace Moritz is Greta, you know, she's not really Greta. She's really. A Time Lord from from the planet Gallifrey, whose name is too long to pronounce. Um, so, and, but we've also we've not just got her; we've got uh, Blake Lively, the rhythm the rhythm section, and the Shallows herself. Yep, and also a simple favor. Uh, oh man! And we've got Newt Scamander himself. That's right. We're part Balaam of Balam Abrasax. <laughs> we're in the Wizarding the World. The Danish girl. Uh, all, all the great characters uh, of. 
Edmund Redmayne. I do. I like. I really don't like you mixing the I, Jupiter Ascending one in there. I do okay. like that film. Yeah. No. It's. I mean, it's it's my my least favorite Wachowski film. I, I think Eddie Redmayne very fun in it. That, no. that that is a delightful performance. Ma- Matrix three. It, it's been too long since I've seen the Matrix. Like no, Matrix sequels. two is good. Matrix three. It's like all, all, all I like. I I saw them at a young enough age. Where, like all I remember about, about the Matrix sequels is lot lot of lot of cool martial arts and gunfights. Oh yeah, no, I do like it when they. I fight. mean, yeah, I do like it when they fight in the Matrix. It's interesting they didn't make that more of a feature. You know, if they could have really pushed the fighting in the Matrix, I wonder. They had been like, we're going to really drill down on how cinematography interacts with fighting in these films. When they had the opportunity and, and didn't, and we'll never see another Matrix film. Nope. Never going to happen. Until next year? Well, who knows? I think it's two years now. I mean, what does a Matrix film made with social distancing look like? <laughs> Just incredible slow motion of people bumping elbows. <laughs> um... So, as, 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 yeah, so, 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 Chloe Grace Moretz, Blake Lively, Eddie Redmayne, um, Alec Baldwin? Yeah, big, big stars, like the director of the Impossible Mission Force himself. <laughs> Former director of <laughs> yes. the Impossible Sadly deceased director of the Impossible Mission Force, Alec Baldwin. But it took Superman to kill him, so. One, one of many Jack Ryans. <laughs> Please. Jacks Ryan. <laughs> it's like attorney's general. <laughs> that, that was the joke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If there's, if there's, if there's an essay I wrote for for a history class once where please <laughs> tell me it was about like, <laughs> about Jack Ryan. Jack Ryan, like a U.S. history essay no, on I... the two presidencies of Jack Ryan. <laughs> no, I, I was I was writing an essay. Um, uh, I was writing an essay about Jack Reacher. I was writing an essay about the Enlightenment because I was an because I was an eighteen year old Christopher Hitchens fan, and and in this essay I. I at this point in which I talked about both uh, Thomas Paine and Thomas Jefferson, and I refer to them as Thomas's Paine and Jefferson, and I got a mark taken off for that. Oh, no. So, heck, <laughs> heck, let's talk about this goddamn movie. Okay, so let's get, I feel like we can get heck over pretty quickly. As we said, it looks, of the bad films, it's the best looking one. Yeah. Um, Chloe Grace Moritz was 13 uh, when she shot it, and you can tell she's 13 because the film emphasizes that she's 13, while also uh, disgustingly ogling her body yeah. in a way that is uh, vile and, and yeah. venomous and disgusting. Th- th- this film is, like, is this, is this movie grosser than the test? They're, I would say they're equally gross in different ways. Yeah, yeah. So it starts off with Chloe Grace Moretz. She, she's yeah. like an artsy girl in a small uh, town in uh, in Nebraska. Yeah, we know she's artsy because she does art. She she likes drawing, and she also uh, uh, the only thing she ever seems to do that isn't drawing is uh, qu- uh, quote movies from the seventies, yeah, which seemed incredibly incongruous at first because this movie seemed like it was taking place in modern day, but it's in the eighties. Yeah. So it's it's slightly less crazy that that one scene involves like a double quotation of Taxi Driver and Dirty Harry at the same time. I uh, there's a yeah it is this is where we should address I guess that it's based on a true story. It's based on uh, yeah. it's at a, um the writer of a novel that adapted her own life then adapted it into a screenplay and like obviously the things we're gonna discuss that when they happen to a real person are horrific and uh, tragic and not entertaining nope but 
when they are so poorly expressed in a film, like, I think that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, but... Yeah, I just don't want to, if we mock, there's just some bad stuff coming up. And yeah. if we mock it, I want you to know we are mocking how badly it's done in this film and not uh, a woman's life being ruined. So, um, yeah, so, so. It's her 13th birthday. Well, so, uh, so uh, she, she's wait, she's waiting at school for a dad to pick her up. Yeah. And uh, she, she's like, she's uh, sitting on the steps outside of, outside of the school. And uh, the, the, the sort of way that the movie decides to, like you know, pretty delicately tell us that her father is an alcoholic is he he comes speeding onto the playground and crushes a jungle gym with his car in in an establishing shot yeah so it's actually some pretty good slapstick like. no it's it's a pretty funny joke but i'm not sure entirely sure it's meant as a joke no it's supposed to be horrifying yeah um and, and, and then they go to her 13th birthday party which is of course taking place at the local bar yeah because shithole where we meet her mother juliet lewis um uh who just if you wrote her dialogue down it would be square bracket juliet lewis juliet lewis's yeah she she just sort of does stuff yeah and then she flips out her dad um, her her husband her husband who's uh, anson mount captain pike himself um and is like immediately we're a minute in and her parents are having like you drink too much you've ruined her life yeah uh, and, it's... and th- th- this is the sort of pitch that the film is at for the next like hour and a half yeah and this is yeah i feel like we're gonna do some southern accents and i want you to know that our southern accents are as genuine as the southern accents yeah. in the film um so like it's to the point where so, so she runs away and she meets well, up. Well, so, uh, so there's a couple of important things first. Um, uh, she, she, she's uh, so one of one of the gifts she receives for her thirteenth birthday is uh, what? What is the gift? I cannot. Uh, oh, that's right. It's it's a gun. No, it's not a gun, Yufa. <laughs> As we are told multiple times throughout the movie, it is a forty-five, um, and this which is... is somehow not like so. Like multiple multiple people say. Oh, that's a nice gun, and she's and Chloe Grace also always says it's not a gun; it's a forty-five. Clearly, like not not a great education system in her part of Nebraska. They've not taught her like about like like sets and subsets. Yeah, it's very much someone being like, "Oh, do you guys do a podcast about film?" And we go, "We don't do a podcast about film. We do a podcast about sequences of still images put <laughs> represented at such a speed to create the illusion of motion with synchronized sound." Christ. <laughs> I mean, but like, that also wouldn't be accurate because there are a lot of silent movies on the list. Yeah, sets, subsets, Finn. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and it's like the first scene we see her, she taxi drivers a bit with the gun and yeah. the mirror doing some Diddy Harry lines. Yeah, she, she's, she's standing in the mirror in, in her underpants for, like, there's no, there's no reason that she should be in her underpants. Um, she's in her underpants so that the film can look at her yes. in her underpants. And this was the first time the film began, stopped being silly and began to feel deeply gross yeah. uh, to me. Because the character is 13, the actress is 13. We don't need extended scenes of her holding up men while in her underwear. It's just unacceptable. Yeah, so while she is doing her taxi driver dirty hairy thing in her underwear, she she, uh, she hears a sound from the other room, and she she, she walks out with, with her forty five and sees a like business-type man sitting at a table, and she points a gun at him, and they have a conversation. Apparently he's like... He has something to do with, with investments or something. Yeah, he's an accountant. Yeah, yeah. So they, they talk for a while, and she asks this man if he thinks she's pretty, which is a recurring. Yeah, thing. a recurring. She asks, I think every man in the movie 
if if they think she's pretty, which is and like I can understand for thirteen year old girls, I presume that's actually a big issue in their life because the patriarchy is terrible and it's yeah. socialized them to think it. But in a film R- written and directed like by, by a man starring a thirteen year old girl that that leers at that girl. Yeah. Her asking that question uh, feels in such poor taste, it's like the film is dead at that point, kind yep. of more than anywhere else, right? After a couple minutes of uh, uh, of, of this garbage, uh, her, her mum comes in and is like, oh, that's just the investment guy or whatever. And then her, her mum and the investment guy go and get in a car together and drive off. Yeah, obviously, as you do. And uh, uh, then she's just sort of in the, in the house alone and uh, she sees an ad for Las Vegas on television. Yeah. And she sees this ad for about two seconds and decides, I'm going to go to Las Vegas. Yeah. And she writes a prank on list. Yeah. Well, first of all, she, she like goes to the, the map of the United States that every single person in America must own by law. I mean, and she, would you be surprised if uh, it was actually she, a law? She, she draws a circle around, uh, around Omaha. Yeah. And then draws a line all the way to Las Vegas, Nevada. And yeah, and she writes a pro and con list. The cons include might get killed. I think that's it. Yeah, no, the, that's the only con. The pros are Las Vegas, lots of rich people, sugar daddy potential. Um, fuck, what were the other two? Um, be, be like the girl from Remington Steel. That's right, Remington Steel, which makes sense when you know the film is in the 80s, yeah. but it does not... Yeah. Once you notice that they don't have mobile phones, that but like it's not clear enough it's not enough of a period piece no it's a film that is like set in a very poor part of america yeah so like for a while you're just like oh there's not it's not those are old cars it's just like those are the like shitty cars that like people can that like poor people can afford yeah or it's, it's like oh like, yeah so this is 2011 maybe not everyone here has a cell phone yeah and what yeah so what it have killed you to start with i don't know someone listening to uh can't stop this and being like yeah this new song i like and so she, she she decides to to run away from home. She packs her, her forty five into her bag along mm. with a map. The map is never seen again. <laughs> yeah, by map and and, uh, uh, and her book of art. And which, I, mm. yeah, I mean the the art is fine. Um, she meets uh, Newt Scamander and he says, "Hello, there, I'm Newt Scamander, <laughs> and I'm here to uh, have many fantastic beasts. Uh, Would uh, you like I, to meet I, one? I got a cowboy hat on my head and uh." I'm just, just, I'm just driving around Nebraska, and he, uh, he's an erratic, and I think the film presumes charismatic, uh, kind of drifter. I think the film, the way the film moves, is you're supposed to like him in this scene, but you don't. Yeah, I don't know. Like at, at, at a certain point, like, like, so she, 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 she gets in his car, and they're driving for a while, and you know, they're, they're talking. Eventually, she tells him to look at her voice so that she can change her, sh- so she can change her shirt again. She's why, yeah, yeah, it's and good. and then like he like looks back at her and says, and like I think she asks him if if she's pretty, and he tells her that her mouth is weird, and in a in, in a way that is both creepy for the character and the film. Yeah, and then I I, I believe she calls him a queer, and he like slams on the brakes. And says, like, if you say that one more time, I'll throw you through the windshield and run you over. Yeah. Uh, Thus begins a charming friendship. Yeah. Um, and she gets out of the car at that point? Uh, yes, uh, I, I believe so. And, uh, the, and, uh... She just, like, sleeps under a bridge yeah. that night. And then... Yeah. Then she's nearly peed on by, um, Blake Lively. Yeah. Uh, who is like, I'm, I'm a southern belle gone to waste. 
I'm urinating on the side of a road. <laughs> yeah. Let me just hike up my dress. It uh, Um, and like she's she has a t- tough time, and they they meet and they kind of bond, but not really. Yeah, and like Blake Lively eventually agrees to 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 uh, to, to to give her a ride. And they they start driving, and Blake Lively, Blake Lively does not look at the road once. No, it's alarming. At one point, she does cocaine. Yep. Um, and it just I really feel like you shouldn't do that while also driving a car. Yeah, and then she she hands the like the vial of cocaine to Chloe Grace Moretz and says, "Do you want to do some cocaine?" And she does some, and then there's like uh like is a totally like misguided like trip sequence yeah where she <laughs> fuck that where the, the, the camera starts to go all crazy and things are speeding up and she's hallucinating a guy with an old-fashioned camera well because if i know when i take famous hallucinogenic drug <laughs> cocaine yeah. the the reason i know i've taken cocaine and not another hallucinogen <laughs> Is that I immediately see a man with an old-fashioned camera. Yeah. The kind you have to go behind a curtain. Like, I, I personally never taken cocaine, but I've been around people who have. Yeah. And they, they, they don't hallucinate, they just get really irritating. Well, no, I think... They, we... they, they just try and fight people, usually. Well, here's the thing about my experience of people with cocaine. Yeah, I've I've, I've not, uh, you know, my nose has not sucked at, at, at the powder rainbow. <laughs> Um, but my my understanding is that cocaine generally makes people think they're amazing, uh, and just the funniest and smartest people in the world. Yeah, and of course, sorry, and, but they always say, "Oh, I'm definitely doing cocaine this hallucinogen," because I've just seen him. And then another person on going goes, "The guy with the old fashioned camera," and they're like, "Yeah, yeah, <laughs> love that guy." And then they high five. He, and uh, he's he's my closest friend because of all the cocaine <laughs> I've done. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> my best friend, the old cocaine man. <laughs> so, like, do, 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 during during this during this like this this like masterful cocaine trip sequence, yeah. like we we have a lot of like shots of 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 uh, of Chloe Grace Moretz's face where she is doing hilarious like face acting. If you. Have you, you haven't. I know you have not, Finn. Um, but the memes about the film, Disney Channel film Radio Rebel, about how the lead actress in there is just pulling silly faces throughout. That that is Chloe Grace Moretz's performance in this film. Like, and like, we know like, now she's like, a great actress. Yeah, she 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 she's really good in. I've seen her being really good in stuff. But like this, like like it's it's obvious that she is a thirteen year old trying to yeah. trying to do an impression of a like of a grown-up and many 13 year olds would do worse um, but yep. some would do better for instance i don't know 13 year old Laurence olivier no <laughs> sorry sir larry um but it's at this point in the film where i'm like oh okay i get it this is kind of a travel log she's gonna meet up with different people on her trip to las vegas nope uh, she just sort of meet sort of meets with the same people over and over <laughs> again yeah, i know yeah um, and so she gets to. Uh, she she she. Uh, uh, so Blake Lively takes her to a bar, <laughs> and uh, while when, uh, so like when she's at this bar, uh, Blake Lively's having having a drink. Yeah. And Chloe decides to go back outside and get a giant stuffed bunny out of. Uh, oh, okay. I just realized why she's doing that. Why? So um so the the child of the bar 
is Blake Lively's kid, which we learned later on in the movie. And Blake Lively was bringing the giant stuffed animal to her kid. Uh. And she sent Chloe outside to get it. So while Chloe's outside getting the... And when I say giant, I mean bigger than her. Yeah. Like a, a giant uh, stuffed bunny out of a car. Uh, Eddie Redman just happens to be there again. Yeah. And they say some stuff that is pretty mumbly and, uh, and indistinct. Mainly about, like, have you seen Grindelwald around here? <laughs> I'm searching for man. man I'm trying to make some youth juice out of humans. <laughs> now, just Grindelwald, he may look like Colin Farrell, or he may look like a little man you may have heard of called Jonathan Depp. So, I own the title to the earth, and I... <laughs> I'm going to liquidate its inhabitants <laughs> so that I can stay young forever as a space tycoon. Would you like a Danish <laughs> girl? <laughs> uh, a trans woman, a woman. Just, just so we're clear on that. Uh, I'm okay with that joke, but um, but after the they they get into an argument at the bar because the bar there's a bar where her cat is. Have we skipped over meeting the the creepy guy? The creepy That's guy. later. Oh, yeah. So we, 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 we skipped over them robbing the convenience store. Oh, yeah. Which, they, like, why would we talk about it? They rob a convenience store. Uh, the convenience store is run by an old black man who uh, it, it feels uncomfortably like a racial stereotype. That's I'm, yeah. I'm just... There's a real Uncle Ben vibe about like, him. He's, he's, he's the only black person in the movie, right? I'm sure there are more, but... I, of prominence. I, he's, he's definitely the only one who speaks. Yeah. Uh, yes. Well, because there are like six speaking roles yeah, in this film. And one of them was Alec Baldwin. Oh, yeah. And to give him all all those great lines about, about eggs. eggs. <laughs> I mean, eggs are great. And Alec Baldwin, the cultural idea, is great. Alec Baldwin, the man, ask his daughter. Um, yeah, so... Um, uh, so uh, the the scene of the first bar ends with, with with Chloe just sort of like going to bed in the I guess like trailer that Blake Lively owns. Yeah. Fr- from this point on, everything is very unclear in the movie, partially because it's badly made, and partially because we didn't care that much. Yeah, we were talking pretty openly at this point. Yeah, we got we got the vibe, and it was pretty clear that we never. Johnny Potts once reviewed Tyler the Creator saying, "I like the music." But whenever I can understand what he's saying, I don't like what he's saying. And I kind of feel that way about this film. Is this like old Tyler back when he was like homophobic and stuff? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Instead of new Tyler who is gay. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, good on him. Yeah. But shouldn't have said those things. Um, I believe. Uh, so I've just got a note here that says Eddie Redman shows up a couple more times. Yeah. Oh, no. So uh, eventually they show up at the house of. A guy uh, who's called uh, Lloyd Walsh. Yeah, which is uh, the first thing you think. No, it's not. It's it's even more southern, right? Isn't it like, like... no? It's 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 Lloyd it's Lloyd Walsh, which is the name you. We've got twenty seconds to name the southern character. Yeah. go. He's the sort of like some sort of like business guy who looks like Michael Bay and Adam Driver and Alan Ruck were the same person. Yeah, no. They... It's it's very upsetting. Um and yeah, no, we we introduce him and he seems a bit dodgy. He fl- um it Eddie is there. Eddie, played yeah. by Eddie Redmayne. Who yeah, is so a... apparently, like, Eddie Redmayne is, like, the bar, the, like, personal, like, live-in bartender at this, at this weirdo's house. Um, and, well, because the house is, uh, implied to be a brothel, right? I That's didn't get I that, but that, that, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and, and so, well, they, there, 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 there was just an incredibly long scene 
where various people are shouting and like you know when you see a film adapted from a play and you're like oh this scene is very long oh it's just a scene from the play that's what this feels like yeah it is like it is totally pointless yeah and it's 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 just it's just like michael driver just just screaming and flipping over chairs um and uh he yells at uh at newt scamander for yeah. getting his drink wrong and so newt gets his revenge by um peeing in the drink and then he loves the drink yeah and it it just it, it continues like, the cruel streak of this film yeah like the, 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 the this movie like desperately wants to be an exploitation movie yeah but isn't like it doesn't even hit like it, it doesn't know how to hit those levels well like it it, it it feels exploitative in all the ways you don't want a movie to be exploitative yeah. and it it misses all of the really fun stuff you could do in a movie like this well what it and what it exploits is uh reprehensible yeah you know this is around the point where in like the film the camera is still looking at chloe grace and it looks like that and you're like why chill out and you're like then you realize like if Stanley Kubrick couldn't make a successful version of this film, what makes Dan Martini like? Yeah, what makes him th- like? I couldn't do it. Nope. Who? And more importantly, like a film. If look, if if Louis C.K. couldn't successfully <laughs> make a movie where he weirdly sexualized Chloe Grace Moretz, no one can. Oh, I mean, he's he directed Pootie Tang. <laughs> yep. Um, he's the master. I mean, there is. What is the film about Chloe Grace Moretz in queer conversion camp? Uh, the the miseducation of Cameron Post, yeah. which is the thing I was raising earlier when I said she, we we know now from being uneducated. Oh right, yeah, yeah that's I, that joke that didn't land. No, yeah, no, I, I just did not say it. it's a good film. Um, and like, oh no, but she's also like twenty in that film yeah. anyway. So. Like she, she in, in that film, she's a twenty year old playing a teenager, yeah, rather than, other than a teenager playing a teenager, and it doesn't like stare at her so much. Yeah, and it, well, because because that 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 movie. Directed by a directed by a woman, oh, yeah. and I believe that uh, I, I believe a queer woman, oh. and so she, she's le- less gross. All right, so um, at at, at this point, um, uh, Blake Lively and the guy who looks like Adam Driver, they go off somewhere, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, and Eddie Redmayne says to Chloe, uh, "Hey, you know, um, uh, Blake asked me to to like to take your hands for for a little yeah. bit. Uh, I have to run some errands in town. You want to come with me?" And so she goes into town with him. And he, he like leaves her in the car as he goes in to play pool yeah. and and gamble for a while, and uh, then she comes in. Uh, she, she gets sick away in the car. She comes in and he he loses his game of pool. Then she goes into a bathroom and the guy that everyone is playing pool against uh, comes in and he tries to rape her. And it's uh, incredibly uh, it's unpleasant. Uh, it's unpleasant, obviously, as an event. It's unpleasant. More importantly to me, it's a film podcast that this film thought it had the moral standing yeah. to uh, express this kind of event on film. It's very troubling. Um, Newt Scamander comes in and is like, and then does the obvious thing. And now I feel like for the weight of this moment is that up until this point, this film has, while it's addressed like the existence of sex and violence, and like yeah. there's a bit of swearing, but it could be a PG film, you know, a PG-13 uh, Apart film. from a scene where a child does cocaine, yes, it yeah. could be a PG film. Oh, like in New Zealand, that would be an M, you know? It feels <laughs> yeah. like an yeah. M film. 
Um, but then Newt Scamander comes in and says Wingardium Leviosa and starts beating up this guy. And it's, He and beats it, the shit out of them. He puts his head between two doors and just starts slamming the door. For so long. For so long. <laughs> there, there, there is a, like at least 30 seconds of just repeated slam, 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 slam. It, it, it is the tonal shift of like, if you imagine the animal killing scenes from Tukibuki coming after, or oh, I don't know, any scene in let's say made in manhattan <laughs> like it's a character undergoing toughness but there's a lightness you yeah. know it seems family friendly but then suddenly but it's weird and i mean when, uh, after he's finished slamming his head in the door it remain walks over to the sink and pulls the sink <laughs> out of the wall right. and comes back over and just throws it down on the guy's head he's definitely already dead yeah like he is and then it cuts to the guy's head, and there is not as much blood as you want me to be. Well, no, because if there was, if it was accurate, we would be in irreversible yeah, town. This would like, be a real that's, climax. That's what I wanted. That, that, that is one of the that is one of the points where the movie could have like like could have gone really far and done something extreme yeah. and crazy. Green room, and yeah, and people would be like, yeah. But no, it is like there's kind of like a little blood coming out of like his ear or something. Yeah, they go and get back into his car. And uh, she, she, um, they, they talk about what just happened, and she accuses him of like letting of like letting it happen, oh, and fuck, that's right. And then he's yeah, there's a full scene of blaming the victim. Yeah, that's right. Uh, then they uh, drive to a house. Yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, and in the house, uh, Eddie Redmayne does some more cocaine. Yeah. And then uh, Chloe. Chloe like runs away after she sees him doing cocaine. Even though show, even though she was fine doing cocaine with Blake Lively earlier. Would you care for some flu powder? <laughs> and, the Harry Potter joke. <laughs> <laughs> and so she 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 she, she runs away, uh, and uh, uh, he he follows her in, in his car, and he convinces her to get back into the car by holding up some sort of like uh, sexy redneck outfit that he's got for her, and saying, "Let's go to a Motel Six. Blake Lively's there waiting for us." I believe this film was funded by Motel Six. As is Motel Six a brand? Or yeah, just a no, it's a, it's a chain of hotel. Oh, okay. And uh, yeah, so so she gets into the car. They drive to the motel, and when they get there, there's there's no one in the room except her and Eddie Redmayne. He's yeah. he starts pouring himself a whiskey. Yeah, I believe it's a, a Jim Jim Beam. Yeah, it is Jim Beam. Yeah. Is it Beam or Bean? I don't know. Yeah, can never, I, can, I can never remember. Can I tell you a fact that sounds like a joke? Sure. I only drink expensive Japanese whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, so I'll show you. <laughs> so he, he, he makes a change into the uh, sexy redneck outfit he bought her, and then he uh, comments on her body a lot. He, he talks about how she's all grown up now. And he's supposed... It's This is clearly the point where it's like, oh, this guy is creepy. Yeah. He's weird, we don't like him. But these statements are so of a piece with the film's attitude towards her yeah. that what it's in doing is that the creepiest thing a character can do in this film is behave like the film is generally just as bad for the film, yeah. you know? And uh, Chloe gets comfortable, she tries to leave, and he like slams his hand against the door and won't let her leave. Yeah. And then she says something to him, and he starts crying and lets her leave. And she goes out to, uh, uh, to try and make a, a, a call on the phone. Yeah. And uh, she doesn't have any money. Uh, one of the Culkins is there and starts hitting on her. Yeah. And they start playing a drinking game. And then Eddie Redman comes over and flips the table over and drags it back into the room. Uh, I mean, at this point, I think he he tells her that like Blake Lively has like, has like abandoned her. Yeah. And uh, and so then they get in the car and they drive somewhere. Mm. 
and then she gets out of the car and runs into a cornfield and he gets out of the car and runs after her and the camera just saw like it's like a big crane shot the camera saw like pulls back and like they're both like disappearing into the cornfield and you hear her like like counting or something and it's uh like in taken two yeah or or like in uh, you were never really here oh true and uh it's two equally good films and it's it's sort of implied that he like rapes her in a cornfield and it's uh like it's supposed to be unpleasant but it's unpleasant in a way that the film is not intending it's supposed to be like oh this is gritty but real but what you're watching is just like this is just a like a misogynist fantasy yeah which is all the more tragic because it's based on a woman's true story yeah i mean then uh, she 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 wakes up in a cabin her hair has been cut and dyed it's black now look they've done a very bad job to the point where it looks to me at least like a bad wig yeah and so she 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 is like her arms are tied to the bedpost and her legs are tied to to the bottom of the bed and I mean, like she's she's screaming for a while, asking for help, and Eddie Redmayne comes in and instantly is like, "Oh, sorry about that," and unties her and then promises, "I'll never tie you up again." Yeah. And and is is that, I mean that's that's when Alec Baldwin shows up, right? I thought Blake Lively showed up. No, no, that, that's okay. So yeah, this is when Alec Baldwin is Beau. He's like, "Hello," and like I feel like the thing to emphasize on Alec Baldwin entering is that you know this is during Thirty Rock. So that makes this film canonically the best explanation for it. Yeah, is that it is a whip pan gag in Thirty Rock that yep. has gone now. This control. is like a dream sequence of it. This is like a dream that Tracy Morgan is having. I think it is in on the Starship Enterprise NCC seventeen oh one D on the holodeck. Someone is like, I really like that Thirty Rock <laughs> sketch in which Jack pretended to be Southern for like two seconds. I want to expand that out. And this is what they created. And it's like, I presume the lead role was maybe written for Jenna. Like, this film, if it starred Jenna Maroney <laughs> pretending to be 13, incredible. Yeah. Um, as a 30 Rock joke. But, yeah. Yeah, so we, we, we have Alec Baldwin come, come in and he's like, well, howdy there, my name is Donald Trump. And yeah, yeah. He's, the, he's the owner of the hotel. It's, yes. it's super unclear what's going on here. Because like, he, he walks into a room where there is someone who is obviously a child who has like yeah. who has clearly had something horrible happen to her. Yeah. And Eddie Redmayne is there. And he seems to know that she's a prisoner. Yeah. And he seems to, like, he seems to know Eddie Redmayne and know that, like, he brings yeah. girls there. Mm-hmm. And... Oh, yeah, he's done this. It, this is when we get start getting the heavy implication that he's done this many times yeah. before. And, and so, uh, uh, so, uh, so eventually, uh, Alec Baldwin and Eddie Redmayne leave. And, um, and uh, uh, I guess before he leaves, he, he ties her up again, instantly breaking his promise. Yeah. I mean, while Eddie Redmayne is gone, Blake Lively uh, comes in. And uh, so, and then th- this this is where we we get told that like the like Blake Lively when when she was the, the same age as Chloe, yeah. she was also kidnapped. Yeah, she was also kidnapped. It's not clear if she's all about if she was kidnapped by Eddie Redmayne or no. by the older guy. I think it's by Eddie. Yeah, but like, or the yeah, but like he seems like he's younger than her, or like about the same age. Yeah, like there there, there is there was no way he kidnapped her when she was thirteen. I, just, I don't 
this film has not earned the effort of yep. working this out for me. Yeah, and, like, and so it's there's there's this scene where they talk, and we we, we find out that, that that Blake Lively was yeah was, was like kidnapped and sexually abused as a child, and that, and that, that, that hence her having the child. Yeah, and that that Eddie Redmayne like brings brings women. To, to, to this cabin in order to like psychologically break them down so that they can be prostitutes or whatever yeah and the, then eddie redman comes back as Blake lively is untying chloe and eddie redman has got uh, chloe's 45 yeah i believe uh, it's a gun wait no um and sorry no it's a 44 <laughs> and so then then uh, he, he starts threatening them and then there's a whole lot of nonsense and then he accidentally shoots uh, Blake lively in a, in a, uh, the funniest moment yeah, in the film. No, it's it's, it's real good. I like it a lot. Um, I I'm going to clip it out of the film and put it on Twitter. Uh, so just follow me at Youther Lives. Or to do on the the. Oh, we can, the, the well, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, which is shite sound pod. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll do it at the end. But we can also do it now. We can do it all the time. <laughs> like, have you know, because otherwise our structuring of this podcast is faultless. <laughs> um. Uh, so um no, let's unpack okay so eddie is like there ain't even bullets in this yeah. gun click 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 bang <laughs> <laughs> like he, he just pulls the trigger a bunch of times and he here like yeah clicks click. and he he's he has it up in the air while he's like clicking it and then somehow the like fourth time he clicks it he's got it pointed directly at blake lively's heart yeah and it, and it's very clearly supposed to be like he's waving it around the room wildly yeah, and yeah. it's an accident but what it ends up being is like it is like the comedy version of the <laughs> end of killing of a sacred deer it's terrible so of course Claire grace moretz so shoots so, like, yeah, so eddie is like instantly like he's devastated that he killed blake lively his one true love who he kidnapped and raped as a child yeah possibly and, yeah. yeah and he's like crying by her body and then chloe picks up a gun and she points it at eddie and in like one of the few good moments in the movie uh you you don't you don't hear the gunshot. You just see like the burst of red like appear on his chest. Yeah, and that moment, those twenty four frames are good. Yeah, I and mean it, it is instantly undercut. When <laughs> like it cuts back to Chloe, she yeah. looks at him. It cuts back to Eddie, and he's making the funniest face I've ever seen. <laughs> and he flops out of shot. As twere he one of the three stooges. <laughs> um, and then uh, Claire Grace Moritz goes to Alec Baldwin, who talks a bit about eggs for yeah. a bit. And like, this is where it gets confusing, because it seemed like Alec Baldwin was, was in on it. Yeah. And now he's helping her escape and yeah. cover up the bodies. And he gives her, he gives her a bunch of stuff. Um, uh, he gives her a bag back, and then... Yeah. And he, he, he buys her a bus ticket back, uh, back, back, right. to, back to Omaha. But she, um, but while she's on the bus, well, so while she's waiting at the bus station, she she calls her mum, and for the first time in about an hour and fifteen minutes, we hear Juliet Lewis's voice. Mm-hmm. Always good to hear. Yep, and she, and Juliet Lewis tells us that she is now she she is now like romantically attached to uh, 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 to the investor guy. Yeah. They've sold the house to Walmart. Mm-hmm. They're going to build a new Walmart there, yeah. and also that Chloe Walmart, and also that Chloe's dad has died. <laughs> It is quite the info dump, if yeah. you ask me. And Chloe uh, cries a bit, and yeah. she gets on the bus to Omaha, and then she realizes, no, I don't want to go back to Omaha. I don't want to be a hick. Yeah. And she pretends to have a seizure, so the bus driver will kick her off the bus. <laughs> Again, just, if you imagine Jane Krakowski doing it, <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> the most inappropriate thing. But as the act of the hero of a film, yeah. it is... 
and absurd. <laughs> just so was like ugh. like like she's she, she's like on the bus and she's like she she wants the bus driver to stop and so she starts making up a story like you know we have to stop the bus if I don't get my medicine and then she falls back and bus driver just goes oh shit remember the cut to a bus pulling away and she's just standing there. <laughs> It's a thirty one. Yeah, <laughs> um, and but like she, she has no commitment to the bit. It is it's so it's so upsetting. But like 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 she should be on the ground, like still lying down. Then when the bus pulls away, she should get up and like dust off her shoulders. <laughs> and the <laughs> what is so funny? Um, and then she gets on the bus to Los Angeles. It's the most Los Angeles yep. bus ever. With leather jackets, playing playing acoustic guitars, and and, and, and he, everyone just looks hill like. Hip and chill. I was going to say hill and chip, and I was like, no, that's, that's not what I mean to say. My um, my favorite part was though the very end where you know you know in cats, what is the best bit of cats? It's when out of nowhere Judy Dench eyeballs the camera like, no, I see you. You've witnessed this. I I, I want to say the 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 best bit in cats is right at the beginning when you see when you see the face of a cat in, in the clouds that's my favorite part of cats no i would say the best part of cats is introducing a film called cats by showing a human and then being like remember what these look like you won't see it again my second favorite part of cats is of course skimble shanks oh uh, yeah the... I, I i tweeted recently if, if skimble shanks wasn't your jellical choice then you're a fucking idiot <laughs> the railway cat yeah he's the best cat i just don't Right, I just whenever he is on those, um, when he's on the when they're dancing on the rails, yeah. I'm just like they're just gonna die. But anyway, um, and so while she's on this bus, she Luli is her character name. We should mention that now. Luli yeah. just makes eye contact with the camera in a way that's like real Mikhail Hanka. Like, no, you witnessed this. You were present for this. Um, and then the credits roll with uh. Everyone gets a their own caption. Yeah, and uh, a, a nice drawing of them in the style that Chloe Grace Moritz has been drawing throughout the film. Do you know what we've not mentioned at all? There are occasional interludes in yeah, the no, film. Yeah, no, I, she... I, pur- I purposely didn't mention this because it's dumb. Uh, well, there is um, <laughs> there are interludes throughout the film where um, which are illustrated with her drawings in her drawing book um, about this untold tragedy at, at, at home um and kind of one of the things she's running away from yeah and uh, she like her her uh, her parents had uh, uh her parents had a son when, when she was about seven years old yeah. and the the, the, ch- the child uh was like uh born uh, not very healthy and he was in an incubator for three days and then he died he was born blue the, and, the color of the moon and they call him baby blue boy or something <laughs> like that it's, and, it's a load of garbage. And, yeah, it's a load of garbage. And I just want to flag that, like, within parts of the New Zealand theatre community, dead baby is a synonym. Because there's a real, there was a real rash through the 90s and early aughts of every dramatic New Zealand play. The reveal would be like, yeah, and that's why our baby died. <laughs> um, and so it's really kind of, a dead baby is a real synonym for, like, the laziest dramatic choice. And, again, yeah. the fact... The laziest and easiest, just a drama bun. And the fact that this film has taken a real woman's life and trauma, um, I presume, this is Wikipedia information, maybe I'm entirely wrong on that, and managed to make it seem like a lazy cliche is an achievement. So the question for you, Ficulus, Finn Nicholas, heck, is it shite or is it sound? I would say of the real movies we've watched so far, this is the worst one. Yeah. And so you're saying that the trick, the test, the test, the test, not really a film. No, no, it, um, it is. It is a weird vanity project 
by a guy who uh, 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 who sucks. Oh, so uh, it's a podcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah. No. It, there is. I just don't think you can ever say how. Yeah. There is a creepiness and like a moral rehens, rehen, rehen, Rep- reprehensibility reprehensibility about this film that it is it really makes me this is a trend it just really makes me hate men and it makes me hate what men have done to our narrative arts in that like a default film will star a 13 year old girl and of course she's in her fucking underwear and talking like and just and i just don't think everyone they tried to represent in this they commodified and mocked like it like the core joke of it is like it's trying to do southern gothic and landing on ain't southern people crazy <laughs> and it just yeah no like so it's, it's like it's a, like you might be a redneck if bit <laughs> yeah the, the the entire movie yeah i and i just so what i'm saying is that it's shite <laughs> um so that so yeah those are the two films what are we watching next week next week we will be we'll be talking about the Life and Death of Colonel Blimp by Paul and Pressburger, and we'll be. Which Universal Soldier movie do you want to do? What is your favorite? Day of Reckoning. Okay. We'll be we'll be watching that with Universal Soldier Day of Reckoning, starring my man Scott Adkins. How many of the previous Universal Soldier do I need to have watched? Uh, I had watched none of them when I first oh, okay. saw it. You know, I've yep. to, to this point, I, I yeah, I, I've I've only watched the, the first one and this one. I just I think it's fun if we could expand the remit of the other film of the trash film to include like just sharing films with each other. Yeah, <laughs> um, as much as because like here's the thing about Hick to oh my rating. Yeah, it's shite. It's a bad movie. And also of all the bad films we've watched so far, this is the one where I don't think there's an element of so bad it's good about it. Like there's not you couldn't watch and be like this is hilarious because it's just I, I think like uh, like apart from a couple moments of of of, of Chloe's like facial yeah. like facial expressions. Yeah. yeah. And, and apart from like the 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 much lauded cocaine trip. Yeah. There's, there's, yeah, there's, there's nothing to recommend this movie. Well, yeah, and it's not, it's not, it's not, it's to coin a phrase, it's not good, bad. No. And like, just like the scopophilia of it makes every part of it just so toxic. Um, I'm excited about those films, though, um, about, about next week. Um, and where can people find you, Finn? Uh, pe- people can find me on Twitter at, uh, uh, at Ficklas, F-I-C-K-L-E-A-S. And, it's um, always fun watching you try to remember yep. how to spell your And I'm on Facebook uh, at uh, 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 Finn Nicholas Comedian. Okay, I'm 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 Youther Lives wherever you need to go. U T H E R L I V E S. I'm on I'm on Mailchimp, Instagram, Twitter. Yeah, if if you don't subscribe to 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 Youther's ma- mailing list, this is a good, it's a good one. Join, join the 400 Mary friends of Youther Dean. Yeah, and um, you 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 can find this podcast on Twitter at uh, at Shite Sound Pod. It's S H I T E S O U N D P O D. I now it's now the time to discuss the fact that we put a swear word in the title of our podcast. Yeah. But um, it, it's like like shite is like it's what it's, it's like a quaint swear it's word. It's the softer version. Yeah. yeah. Um and uh the music is called The Nux. It's by Kazam Blam. I highly recommend Kazam Blam's album Trapezoids Away. Um thank you very much for doing I'm Finn Nicholas. Please watch movies. Um, I, I like them. You like them too. Uh, go, 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 go do it. Great. <laughs>
Now, j- just while we're on like this this sort of subject here, on, on, on the last episode, after after I revealed that I've been making a lot of uh, pizza dough recently, you you screamed at me, uh, "Get a girlfriend!" <laughs> and yeah, okay. And I'd just like to say that in, in the time since that last episode, uh, I've made a bunch more pizza dough. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, nope. Uh, okay. It's specifically for eating. <laughs> yeah. Is it? This is not. This is not the movie American Pizza Pie. <laughs> 